The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, and welcome to Barron's Live on Tech Trader. I'm sorry, I'm doing it backwards. It's Tech Trader on Barron's Live. What a, uh, a, a an auspicious start. I'm Eric Sabbaths, Associate Editor for, Techno- for Technology at Barron's. Happy to have with me today the great Dan Ives, technology analyst at Wedbush, who covers all of the uh, uh, the, the, the tech giants. And uh, Dan, welcome back. You are in a, an exotic locale today, by the way. I noticed uh, behind you. Oh yeah, today I'm in uh, I'm in Crete, in Greece. Not too shabby. Um, but um, so, <laughs> so but it's great uh, to be here. It's, I'm glad it's worked out. Yeah, thank you for doing it. Um, and it's amazing technology in action that we can do this from Crete uh, to Palo Alto. Um, so, um, so I want to talk for, for uh, starters about a note that you wrote today, which basically making the case uh, that the outlook for technology for the second half of the year looks good. And, you know, not everyone uh, was feeling so good about tech over the last few weeks. Of course, we're all, we had a fantastic first half. Everything was uh, everything rallied. We had huge gains, you know, particularly in the uh, the mega cap names. Um, but it looks like things have slowed down a little post earnings, uh, despite what were generally pretty good earnings. What, give us your big take here on what happens in the second half and what the drivers are. I mean, look, I thought after the Nvidia guidance last quarter, I think there was maybe some expectation that whether it was Nadella, Google. You know, across software, they, there was going to be a similar type trajectory from a guidance. Now, look, we never expected that. I don't think many investors ever expected that. Yeah. But now that it's more like the use cases are exploding, the demand there, but maybe the ramp is just is going to be a slower than expected. I think you saw some knee jerk selling because of that. But I mean, I continue to view this as. It's the biggest transformational trend that I've ever seen covering tech, going, even going back to internet in 1995. And right now, I mean, we think going to next year, it's going to be 8 to 10% of budgets. That's AI. So, so 8 to 10% of budgets, that compares to now, Less than 1% today. Less than 1%. Yeah. And, 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 and Eric, and Eric next year we get to that level? You think we get to that level By as soon as 24? That's remarkable. Right. I mean, that is unprecedented change. So if you think about the development of the Internet or cloud computing or the mobile uh, mobile devices, we've had huge transformations in the way people do business, but not at that speed. So that makes this very unusual. But that's that's our whole thesis. Our whole thesis is we're macro aware, micro obsessed. And if I look at the last six months, you know, across going across Asia, Europe, U.S., you know, really for the last six months, it's it's a much different spending environment than I think anyone could have anticipated coming into this year. And I can tell you right now, I mean, we're seeing probably 25 to 30 percent of deals that originally maybe were shelved 
now come back across enterprise. And I think that's a very important dynamic that I think plays out second half of the year. And in our opinion, I mean, Fed, despite tough talk, essentially waving a white flag. I think they're in the, you know, essentially almost done. And I think that's a risk on environment going into next year with Fed cutting. Okay. So, so let's talk about a, a little bit about uh, some of the individual pieces here. So, uh, you, know, you mentioned NVIDIA, which did do like the most astonishing like uh, guidance uh, ever, as uh, you were alluding to before. Yeah. Um, and their earnings are coming up. Um, and then meanwhile, we've had um, the early read from some of the key software players, right? Which you alluded to also, like from Microsoft's earnings and from um, Alphabet's earnings, uh, even Meta's earnings, uh, Amazon's earnings. Uh, they all had generally pretty good results but it didn't have too much to do with AI. So do you think we start to see the, the real numbers, like, 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 like a, 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 a real push from AI at the revenue line starting next quarter, two quarters out? Like how far away are we from seeing this? And I raise it in part because I think one of the reasons that Microsoft's earnings met with kind of a meh, kind of a slightly disappointed mm-hmm. reaction was that while they are an early leader for sure, like in, in enterprise AI, um, it hasn't really shown up much in the numbers so far. No doubt. Point, people wanted to see that, rightly or wrongly. Yeah. I mean, look, Eric, you, you, you know tech as well as basically anyone out there in your decades covering it. And in my opinion, I think that nails it in terms of why the stock sold off. But what we're hearing from channel partners, what we're hearing across the board is, for every hundred dollars of cloud spend, there's an incremental thirty-five to forty dollars of incremental spend for Microsoft, and I think that speaks to our bullishness on why this this is just starting in terms of what that revenue opportunity means for them, and I think means for other hyperscale players. So, so when you look at the opportunities of how to play this, right? Um, let's walk because there's a, there are, there are a few categories, sure. right? There's obviously, you can play it through NVIDIA and maybe some other semiconductor Chips players. And, and AMD, yeah. Right. Um, what, what do you, what, what's your, so let's start there. Like, is, is in, would you pick, would you play in, NVIDIA? Do you prefer AMD? Are there other options? Well, I mean, look, I think NVIDIA right now, they're the, the Don Corleone of AI. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 they own, they are the only game in town. So that's why that's one when you talk about evaluate, I'm just not one to be like, it's run too much, just given it's a trillion of incremental spend. I mean, it's, I think NVIDIA continues to be the core player. I think we get more good news from them next week. I think AMD, I think everything Lisa Sue's doing, they are going to be a play. I think that's one maybe still being underestimated mm-hmm. in terms of what that could ultimately you know, contribute to them. And then I think when you look across the rest of semis, I think we're starting to see inventory bottom mm-hmm. in the next quarter or two. And I think I think this is going to cause what's really almost unprecedented growth across the semi-food chain. I mean, that, that's our sort of view. So I think ships is the first, we'll call it front line. Right. Second line is, is the hyperscalers from, from Microsoft to Google to Amazon. I think... A renaissance of growth is happening in Oracle. I mean, and I think we'll see that next month. I mean, if you look at just 
the incremental growth in that install base that's starting to play. I even think IBM, what Arvin's doing, you're actually starting to see it there. So I think you view that as like sort of the second component. Mm-hmm. And then and the, then the third and fourth derivatives, the use cases from Mongo to Snowflake to Palantir to C3. I, I think there's a number of different ways to play it. I could argue Salesforce. There's a huge way to place you know, right. from, a, from an AI. Right. So, so, so my, my view is just investors always want it right now. No different than like a three-year-old baby. Like they, they want their food right now. It's going to take time for that third, fourth derivatives to come. But I believe in, in my opinion, the new tech bull market has begun. So, you know, one thing that's interesting to me is that if you think about this list of winners, um, these are some of the best established, largest players in technology in every realm. And what seems a little different to me than some other technology waves is that this seems to benefit the incumbents, right? Like that this does not seem like Yes, obviously, OpenAI is not a public company, although Microsoft owns most of it. Um, there are other players in large language models. But this feels like uh, the the big get bigger, the rich get richer here. Strong get strong. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And now, I mean, I think FTC and Khan, that just continues to be just almost uh, another black eye after black eye in terms of going after big tech. You know, so I think the regulatory, I think it's more self-regulated rather than any sort of worries about Beltway involvement. I just view it as the strongest. I think M&A is actually going to accelerate in AI. I think more emboldened, especially mm-hmm. after, you know, what we've seen with Microsoft Activision and a lot of these you know, losses again, again, from uh, FTC and Khan. So there's a first derivative, a second derivative. There will be, I think, a lot of, I think like MongoDB is a good example where like that's coming into its next level of growth because of of AI use cases. You know, are, are there going to be cybersecurity use cases? So I think these are all some of the things. Like to me, it's a 1995 moment. It's the biggest transformational tech trend in 30 years since the internet. And I view it more as a 95 moment than 99, 2000. As I mean, you saw firsthand, like the web bands, the pet.com. I, I just, I view it just totally differently in terms of what we're seeing. So, so, um, you know, I want to talk about some individual names. So one, one name that hasn't come up in our discussion so far is the biggest tech of them all, right, is Apple. And there's been some rumors about Apple working on LLMs, and um, there's obviously some uh, AI elements to what they're doing with Vision Pro and some of the other things in the, in the services uh, category. But they've been remarkably quiet mm-hmm. uh, here, and it's a little, um, it's a little uh, confounding that they haven't, um, been talking about this that they I, I assume that you know Tim has a strategy but I don't know what it is and I sure. wonder how you think about Apple here now I would also note of course that Apple's earnings were a little disappointing to the street the stock dropped back below three trillion um, etc 
what's your and you've been, you've loved Apple for a long time. Like, give me your sense, Dan, of like first of all, how are you thinking about the stock here, and then second of all, what do you think they do on the AI front? Well, first, I mean, on AI front, I mean, and you know, I've talked about is I believe from from all my conversation with developers, this is all leading by 2025 to an AI app store. They're going to have a separate app store. AI, every app will be AI, health, gaming, fitness. They'll be within the app store, but it, but it'll be it'll be a separate. It's going to be an AI app store, and I view that as what that's going to be the golden goose for Apple. When when you start to think what that could be to services, and just further monetize the install base, that's where I see that going from from an AI app store. And I think as we know, and you know you, you know it well. Mm-hmm. Cook plays chess, others play checkers. Like, I think it's just part of that DNA of Cupertino in terms of not putting car before the horse. I just, I believe right now we are going into its next stage of growth, despite obviously everyone, you know, pretty negative and Apple coming into the right, air. Well, they've had three quarters of, of negative top line uh, growth, and they're going to have likely another one. Um, based on their guidance um, for the September quarter, so it's not surprising that people think that. What do you think if it's if we're going to get another growth cycle out of Apple? What do you think the drivers are? One of you too is like you know you also have you have a six hundred bit FX headwind. So I do believe when you start to factor in like you know from a cons currency, this is a company that is growth. I mean, so I do think FX been a huge headwind for them. That's true. I I, I think the other thing you have to view it on some of the parts. In other words, like when I, I could say even like this quarter, okay, they guide lower where they even so in terms of the core because of Mac and iPad. I'm more worried about what type of gyro I'm eating in Crete than the iPad or Mac. I'm just being, I know it's like what matters to the stock is right. iPhone, Right. Services. And if you look at that, iPhones actually, like if you could units in terms of for the court, that actually went up when you look from a, from a cons of currency. Services now up picking toward double digit growth. I go into an iPhone 15 cycle where we estimate 240 million have been upgraded in four plus years. I think we have another hundred to hundred fifty dollar price increase. Promotions are going to be significant from carriers, and if you look at China, they're gaining share, not losing share. So, my view now, Grant, it's always been glass half full, but I view it much differently going into the next six nine months because of the way I break it down. And I was like, I don't those components to me are legacy with valuation that that I kind of view as like cable stakes. Right, right, right. That's interesting about Mac and iPad because I think, I do think you're right. It's iPhone and services where the, you know, there are a lot of companies that have legacy businesses uh, that are in the revenue numbers, they're in the profit numbers, but are not the drivers. And, I think, and they got it down to the double right. digit growth for Macs and iPad. Right. So on, on iPhone 15, um, yeah, one thing that feels odd to me is I'm not hearing a ton of buzz about like what's going to be in the new phones. I mean, there will be some incremental 
a new processor, I presume, and a thinner bezel, mm -hmm. and maybe a better battery, and like stuff like that. But is there anything do you think will get people really excited about iPhone 15? Look, I mean, some of the LiDAR technology that they could introduce, I think there is going to be AI functionality that will be built into iPhone 15 that we have. And, and I could tell you, like, in terms of all of our checks across Asia, I mean, you're not seeing too many leaks come out of the supply chain. Right. Which, now from a unit perspective, I think it's going to be flat up. We've talked about that in terms of obviously coming out of the gate. But I believe there's a, there, there's a number of uh, potential surprises come with iPhone 15. Okay. Um, are you excited about Vision Pro at all? I view Vision Pro right now for developers. And ultimately, it's about use cases that they're going to build. Three years from now, Vision Pro prices are down 60 70% from where they are in terms of initial. That's where you start to see the masses, and that's where you actually start to see things ramp. So right now, well, I think so this is like a beta, kind right? This well, it's beta, and also it's really focused on developers. Like, I mean, I think, I think sometimes on like the initial takeaway is like, wow, who's going to pay, you know, 3500 for a vision, but like, you know, it's going to be minimal sound. But I focus on, it's all about developers in terms of then more and more apps, then eventually prices come down 50, 60%. And that's the typical playbook of Cupertino. Okay. Um, let's talk about a few other things. Um, there's a weird thing that's happening on Friday. Um, Palo Alto Networks is reporting earnings. <laughs> so you know I'm going. I mean, After the close on Friday, which doesn't ever, ever happen. And not only are they doing earnings after the close, they're doing a two-hour analyst call after the close on Friday, ruining everyone's like middle of the summer weekend. Why are they doing that? Like what? Are, now, they have said that they're going to provide like a new, like long-term model, stuff like that. But like, this is very unusual. And like the, the, uh, the, the action in some of these security stocks, it's not been so great. Fortinet had sort of bad. Fortinet missed, yeah. Right. So I mean, what do you think is going on here? What's your take on Palo Alto? Well, first of all, um, this is not a rocket scientist move, to put it lightly, to do a call on a front. I think already you've seen the fear factor in the stock Friday night, summer, which I've in 23 years doing this, never seen anything like that. And I think it would advise, right? I mean, if you're going to come out with news in terms of medium term guidance that maybe, you know, could be a little disappointing, just do like a normal earnings, right? To do it on a Friday. I think the bark may be worse than a bite here. But in a jittery market with Fortinet missing and lowering, the last thing you want to see is the stalwart come out with some sort of Friday the 13th type stuff. And I think that's what's happened here. Now, look, investor relations, business case studies, will, 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 they'll, they'll focus on this years from now. And I think it's, I, I think it's just a, it's an example of give the news, do it in a normal way. Don't try to be, you know, don't try to be cute. And I think what they're doing here is, I think ultimately barks worse than a bite. I think there, there, there might be some softness in there. 
I still continue to think they're the stalwart, they're the name to own, but uh, in this market, right, any nervousness is going to be exacerbated. Yeah, announcing things after the close on Friday is typically a... Uh, in the summer. In the summer. It's just... Now, it's well advertised. It's not like they're dropping it in of like a... I mean, it's not like people don't know what's coming. Like, you've seen things in the past where people slip out an announcement on a Friday in an 8K, just maybe they think no one will see it. That's not this situation, but it is very unusual. And it does suggest that they're going to say something that's going to take a couple of days to digest. So um, I don't know. They could have done it Thursday afternoon. Uh, I'm not sure. That would have been that would have been uh, much more been, normal and much, much more um so so um uh, uh, uh let's let's move on so um let's talk about tesla so um what is your current view of tesla and the direction of the company how are you feeling about the demand environment give me your current tesla i mean i think the price cuts 95 percent of them are in the rearview mirror that was the smart move yep strategically they put an iron fence around their install base I think if you look at demand, demand's actually been pretty resilient. Mm -hmm. Now, look, just like we saw this week, you saw some more price cuts, Model Y, yeah. remember that's only 15% of us impacted units. Obviously, stocks sold off, a lot of nervousness about what's happening in China. Look, I, I just view it as like right now, they're on a trend for 1.8 to 1.9 million units. I think margins trough out this quarter. They start to expand going into 24. The scale and scope is expanding across the board. I think Tesla's kind of entering the next stage of its growth story. Now look, obviously there are a lot of macro wild cards here, but I think when it comes to China, I'd rather them be aggressive and do these price cuts because right now they're gonna they're gonna gain share and that's the right move. Okay. Are are you bullish on any of the other EV players? I mean Rivian bullish on in terms of, I think that, I think they've turned the corner, the production issues, the supply chain issues, demand to me looks strong. I think they're a survivor and that's going to scale. I'm a believer in RJ, you know, in terms of the team. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Rivian in terms of just the, the opportunity there. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the turnarounds that, that GM and Ford are having. I think there is, strong potential they could transform those companies toward electric vehicles even if they're 20 30 percent successful because look and i don't view it as a zero-sum game i just think we're going through the biggest transformation to the auto industry since 1950s okay um so i want to come back to ai for a moment um so you cover two of the more uh kind of speculative smaller cap names in Palantir and C3 AI. Um, they I don't think those are, I, I, I don't think they're controversial. I think they're pretty like. Well, let's vanilla. talk about them. Really no, I'm, no one, no one really has like strong opinion. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no one has an opinion about either one of them. So let, let's talk about Palantir first. Um, Palantir, of course, has been around, business has been around for more than 10 years. Mm -hmm. They went, did a, did a, a direct listing. Um, you know, they have, um, Peter Thiel was one of the founders. They're a little bit controversial because of their, uh, or have long, have for a long time been a little controversial because they do a lot of work for uh, the uh, defense sector. Um, they've recently uh, launched a big AI 
uh, initiative, should I just call it AIP, like artificial mm -hmm. platform. And um, they're very excited about it. They reported earnings recently, which were fine. Um, the street didn't love them. Now there's also a lot of, uh, it's a very high beta name, right? It's very volatile and it's very popular with individual investors. I would note that this is the one company I know of that on their earnings call actually takes questions over the internet from like uh, random individual investors. Along with Tasha. Yeah. And then, oh, and well, okay. So, which is a kind of consistent actually. Um, yeah. So give me your sense of um, why you like Palantir and then we'll come back to C3A. I mean, look, I think it's probably the best pure play AI platform from a use case perspective out there. I mean, machine learning, I mean, you, you could say that they were really one of the initial thought leaders there. Their focus has obviously been all federal government, you know, if you go back years ago. And our, our thesis is they're going to be able to parlay that into massive enterprise success. I think a lot of that and, and to be fair, they do have a substantial commercial business too. So substantial it's commercial, but I think the next leg of commercials with AIP. I mean, to me, I view that as the game changer product. I'm a I'm a believer in CARP. I'm a believer in the strategy. Obviously, you know that there's there's eccentric nuances to the Palantir story, mm -hmm. but my view is that we are going into a fourth industrial revolution. Where when I look at AI. I think it's the biggest transformation in 30 years. I think Palantir is going to be a major player. Mm -hmm. And I think it's being underestimated, in our opinion, the actual monetization opportunities that they could have on enterprise and government over the coming years. And that's, and look, that's why I think it's a battleground stock. Like when I like put out positive notes on Palantir, my camera PT, the type of emails that I get, because look, it's like it, it's a, it's almost similar as like Tesla to some extent. Dual bet, like the bears, like no Adam, they're super smart, right? Like they they just strongly disagree. And now it's an execution story going forward. Yeah, it's uh uh I know what you mean about the reaction because almost nothing we write about generates more traffic um, to the website than writing about Palantir. There's a lot of passion there. I wouldn't call it a meme stock exactly, but it is a. In, but there's a lot of individual individual investors who are who are involved in in Palantir and, um, you know, the involvement of Peter Thiel and, and smart Alex retail. It's a, a character, yeah. yeah, very retail. And also smart retail. Yeah. Present. I mean, that's how they say. Like in terms of like a lot of those retails, some stuff you see on I think very very dialed in retail. Okay. And, and then the other one that's sort of in this category is C3AI. Now, C3AI, of course, is a company that was started by Tom Siebel, yeah. who, of course, started Siebel Systems, which he sold to Oracle. Um, he's another larger than life kind of tech personality, uh, different than, you know, Peter or Alex, uh, than Alex Carp. But Tom is a big, larger than life figure in many ways. Yeah. Um, that's another one where they're doing, uh, you know, they they changed their name famously. They once were called C3IoT um, and then decided AI was a hotter trend. Uh, but but uh, that's another one where there is considerable controversy about just what they have mm -hmm. and how much opportunity there is. Yeah, but I also think like, look, and I've known Siebel going back to the 90s, Siebel days, I'm a big fan yeah. of Siebel. 
like in just as, as just an executor and a visionary. And right. I think C3, well, I think in the beginning, there was a prove it. I, and obviously there's a lot of hype. If you look at the last few quarters, I mean, they are use case by use case expanding outside utilities. You're seeing them involved in more and more of these bake offs, not just on the 202 area code, but on the enterprise. And I think like they're going to be a major contender for a lot of deal flow and AI. Mm -hmm. Well, this gets at this notion about, if you think about, come back to our discussion on like layers of opportunity. Um, We've got, you know, the picks and shovels players, uh, you know, who are actually building the hardware, the semiconductor players, that sort of thing. Then you have, um, I presume there's also like a hardware layer in there too, right? I mean, I don't know. Well, no, there's, there, there's definitely a hardware layer in there. there. There's a storage layer in there too. And a storage layer, then they should all benefit from this. Um, and then you have, you know, these large language models, but then you also have, it's going to affect application software kind of across the board. Yes. And here you have two companies that are directly playing that, right? Like, I mean, obviously you, there are a lot of enterprise software companies out there. They're all going to have some element of this part of their story. Um, but these are two direct plays on that for sure. But they're, they're pure plays. And I think as this trend plays out, they're going to be major players. Yeah, so it's it'll it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So I want to come back to one larger uh, as we get close to the end of the half hour here, uh, larger issue, which is uh, which you've written quite a bit about, which is the role of China, um, and and it's a complicated situation, right? So like if you think about the Apple example, in Apple's case, they get like twenty percent of the revenue from China. They manufacture handsets in China. They've uh, it's a hugely important part of their business. Meanwhile, we have all this tension on the semiconductor side. Um, we have Biden saying, telling VCs uh, that they're, they should put less money trying to get them to, to invest less in Chinese technology companies. How much of a risk is that? And then, of course, you have the Taiwan part, uh, TSMC. You know, we talked about NVIDIA being crucial to the uh, to the AI story, but most of their components, most of those uh, GPUs are made by Taiwan Semiconductor. We don't know what's going to happen in Taiwan geopolitically. It's certainly a risk. How do you think about roll all of that up? Like what, what how are you feeling about the, the risk level that our relationship, our sort of fraught relationship with China? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I was in Taiwan just a few months ago. I mean, in my opinion, I think right now it's it, it's a risk, but I think it's much more far off. Risk. Like, in other words, like I just think right now, like, bark's worse than a bite in terms of what we've seen there. And I think it, when it comes to China, look, if you look at these Biden restrictions, a lot, a lot more narrow than I think here, right? And, that, and that's a good thing because last thing we need right now is, is a cold tech war just even getting worse between between the U.S. and China. Right. So do you think, um, I mean, do you think it's just not, you're not worried about the Chinese are suddenly going to like invade Taiwan and nationalize TSMC? And... Look, I just, I just focus on like, I get the black swan, the conspiracy. I just don't see it, right? In other words, like to some extent, like Apple is investing more, Tesla's investing more. Yeah, Diamond and Yellen that were there in the last few months. I think AI, 
you will have a decoupling. But when I look at China, I just continue to view it as like it's a risk, but it's actually more of an opportunity in the near term when it comes to Apple, when it comes to Tesla, and when it comes to to some of these names. I mean, that, that's a, like that's always been our view. I mean, our view is like if you want three thousand dollar iPhones, then they should they should have an iPhone factory in uh, in Palo in uh, in Palo Alto in New Jersey. If you love those three thousand dollar iPhones. Personally, I love the thousand-hour iPhones, which actually will probably be close to twelve hundred with iPhone 15. I like them producing children. Okay, um, so just one thing I am curious about when when you think about those other kinds of infrastructure opportunities in AI, hardware, storage, um, networking, are there a name or two that stand out for you that you think are worth? Where, where you would advise I, people to to focus? I think Cisco could have a there could be a little renaissance of growth that happens there. And they report when, tomorrow, by the way. Yeah, when, when it comes to Cisco. Um, I think there's potentially an opportunity when it comes to some of the networking plays. You know, when, when you look at, like, the Junipers, when you look at NetApp on stores, I think there are some opportunities that, that could come out there as well. Arista? I think Arista is also a potential second, third derivative uh, when it comes to the infrastructure side. Right. I think Akamai is, is another one too. Akamai, that's an interesting name. Um, now, one thing about Akamai that I find interesting is, you know, they of course are the traditional like content delivery network play, yeah. and but they've also got a security arm and they're trying to build a cloud business. Well, that's, uh, it's the, it, and that it's the cyber piece and the cloud piece. Akamai is kind of sneakily coming into a lot of these bake-offs. That's something I definitely would like put them on the whiteboard in terms of keeping an eye on them. Well, it it's uh, it it reminds me a little of uh, it's not nearly the same situation, but it, it reminds me of Oracle sneaking into the conversation on yeah. on cloud. Now they're Oracle's way way ahead of them. Akamai's barely started. They 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 have a they bought a small company um, that's doing some cloud uh, hosting. Um, Oracle, on the other hand, has really muscled their way into the conversation oh, in yeah. a path anyway, as you uh, alluded to earlier. You got to give Safra and the team a lot of credit. I think there's a, it is just a, a renaissance of growth that's happened in Oracle. But the street doesn't really hugely trust them or something, or like they don't get but the I, valuation. But they didn't get Microsoft. Remember, it goes back to like Microsoft. There's no way it's going to be a trillion. Trillion and a half makes no sense. Two tri the point is like, look, haters are going to hate. And that's why many of them have missed the biggest transformational growth stories in tech the last 20 years. Too focused on macro valuations and their spreadsheets instead of, you know, some of the best technology companies we probably have ever seen. Yeah, I mean the the that that also reminds me of the market's current attitude towards IBM, which you also alluded to as a potential play here. I've written quite a bit about this, and it's lagged way behind the rest of the 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 rest of the the larger players, the legacy players. I think there's just a sense that um, I don't know that they're not serious or they're not. I don't quite get it that they don't they're not trusted. Uh, but 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 to that point, like I think Arvin is special. Like he can turn that company around. He gets cloud, I think, as as well as anyone out there from the Dell to anyone. 
I, I think he is massively being underestimated what he can do in terms of potential turnaround for the ages. So what do you think? Why isn't it doing more? Because there have been so many one step forward, two steps back, need to show the complexity in terms of the mainframe business. You still can't really put a valuation on the, on the what I'll call it on the cloud and the AI piece. But let's see whether there's a year or two. I think there's a huge opportunity that's happening at IBM. Do you think he's the Satya? Of I IBM. think he's the like I put him in that same McDermott type, you know, Satya. Like I put him in that just general category of like understanding and what he could potentially do to turn around that company. Okay. All right. So last question: Do you have if you were going to uh, uh, call out a stock or two that people might be surprised that you are bullish on? Give me a name or two that we haven't talked about that you might throw into the mix. I'd probably say like uh, Pega, Pega Systems, like under the radar AI play tool tools. There's a legal issue that's been a big overhead. I kind of really like that name. Soundhound, kind of under the radar speech-based microcap speech-based AI, micro speech yeah. AI and great great technology, great IP. Those are probably maybe some two little like under the radars. And sound, I'm surprised with Soundtown that you even take the time because it's it is really small. Cap it's company. super small, but things and they they've had a kind of moment in the sun as an AI play, particularly earlier in the year. And yeah, but I just put those out just because I'm a big fan of that technology. Okay, but look, go back to Nuance, right? I mean, we would talk to Nuance till blue in the face, no one cared, and then you know four years later stocks of 10 bagger then everyone can i got i'm just saying like sometimes i feel like there are some like maybe needles in the haystack interesting okay dan thank you so much for doing this on yeah, your, great on your, thanks, on your thanks, thanks everyone for coming on thank you for doing this we appreciate that very much oh, it's we'll always great talking to you. you you're Likewise. the guru of tech oh thanks dan well thanks everyone for uh for joining us today uh please join us again tomorrow Market Watch real estate reporter Arthes uh, Swaminathan uh, will be interviewing Redfin CEO Glenn Kalman about the housing market. What comes next there? Thanks to everyone for being uh, with us today. Please come back. Thanks very much. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.